Welcome to Beyond the Shelf. I'm Scott Curry with Chef's Best. We gather to talk about the trends in marketing, retail and production, and food and beverage that are shaping the industry. We are joined today by entrepreneurs Jennifer Ross and Christina Ross Blankfein. After working in finance at Goldman Sachs and sharpening her operational skills at consumer technology startup FanVision, Jennifer co-founded Swoon, a company on a mission to take sugar out of society, starting with what we drink, where she oversees product development, operations, and finance. As co-founder of Swoon, Christina manages sales and marketing. With previous experience in microfinance at Citigroup, which became key to the bank's inclusive finance program, she learned how to develop, operationalize, and market a consumer product. While still an undergrad, Christina founded Circle of Women, a student-run 501c3 that has raised over $700,000 to build secondary schools for girls in Afghanistan, Pakistan, India, and Malawi, which is incredible. Jennifer and Christina, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having us. Uh, so Jennifer, well, well, why don't you go first and tell us about the path that led you to starting Swoon, as well as I believe you have a little bit of a medical history there uh, that helped drive your mission. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Christina and I really came to this honestly as consumers, like want, uh, with the drink that we wanted. Like you said, I'm type one diabetic and was diagnosed when I was six years old. So I really spent my whole life always looking for zero sugar options. I mean, or, or definitely when I was younger, it was my mom looking for zero sugar options. And like, remember being, you know, at school or birthday parties and not being able to have that like pink lemonade or the cake that all of my friends had and always feeling a little bit left out. And then as I got older, I really realized that the choices I was making when it came to my diet, which were really choices, you know, that a lot of people should be making or, you know, kind of thinking about in terms of when it comes to just overall health, it's really a reduction in sugar and sugar is bad for everyone. It's not just type one diabetics, you know, two thirds of adult Americans are pre-diabetic. And so much of that comes from diet and exercise. And, you know, really when we did a little bit more digging, a lot of that kind of diet and excess sugar that people are consuming comes from sugary drinks. And there's really not a need for that. And so, you know, what we kind of, again, like I said, it was something that we wanted. We wanted something that didn't have sugar, that tasted great, and would be something that we drink throughout the day. And so again, it was a personal need, but really knowing kind of how much this could impact so many people and prevent them from getting type two diabetes and all of the complications that it goes with really has kind of been like a driver of our mission and everything that we do at Swoon from the very beginning. Christina, why don't you talk a little bit about, uh, you know, your involvement in the company and, and, uh, you know, your past relationship with Jennifer and maybe share a little bit about the moment. I love to hear from entrepreneurs, the moment that you decided we're going to do this, <laughs> let's go ahead and do it. And whether that was a, you know, for many, it's a lightning strike or is it an evolving process? So talk about how you both came together. Of course. So I, I will say Jen and I came at this as friends, which there's definitely some wisdom out there that says don't start a business with a friend. I think Jen and I feel quite <laughs> the opposite, that it's been a really wonderful experience to do so with somebody who kind of on a baseline you trust and whose values you know are aligned. So Jen and I were business school classmates. Jen came over to my apartment to help me set up and you know the way a good friend does before a dinner party to just lend a hand. And I'm Cuban, Scott, so I thought, oh, I'm going to make mojitos. This is like <laughs> in my blood to make this. 
Um, however, making a mojito in front of a friend who is a type one diabetic is a chilling experience because as you stand over a boiling pot of water, pouring in a full cup of white table sugar, you realize just how unhealthy a mojito is. And for that matter, almost all drinks, because mm -hmm. obviously they, you know, a lot of what makes a drink taste good and, and brings it to life is sugar. And so that was our maybe less of a lightning strike moment and much more of a uh, uh, an evolving um, set of questions and, and therefore in the answers had a business moment, um, but, you know, didn't pour in that cup of white table sugar and said, you know, let's run to Whole Foods, which was right around the corner. They must have something that is healthy, um, right, in, in the mindset of, of increasingly nowadays good food and good for you food are, are aligned. Um, however, when it came to the drink section, we truly couldn't find anything great, right? All of the great ingredient drinks were basically still chock full of sugar. They just used real fruit juice instead of um, concentrate or other things. And so from there, we just sort of started to think, why doesn't this exist? Should it exist? Can we make it? And being in business school, it was just this ripe environment to ask those questions and have a bit of time to explore the answers with a captive audience of, of friends and people that had different experiences that they brought to the, the conversation. So from there, we went into mixers and then really just listening and learning from our customers, the bartenders who wanted something that was just the core ingredient of a simple syrup to replace in their drinks, um, created our monk fruit based simple syrup and then from continuing to listen to customers when we would just sample them on the simple syrup and trying to show it in the most bald, straightforward preparation, which was one part our simple syrup, one part fresh squeezed lemon juice, and then diluted with water. It turned out to be this great tasting lemonade that our customers kept saying, I want that. I want that end product. And so we put it in a can, created other flavors against it too. There's a pink lemonade and a half and half. And that's where we are now is, is you know, just a lot of listening and learning along the way to with the commitment of taking sugar down. I have to admit, and I'm ashamed to say, we have a lemon tree in our backyard. And last night, the girls were making lemonade. And I'm not a part of that process, but I believe there was a lot of boiling of sugar uh, that went into it. <laughs> well, uh, Scott, do so we have an answer for you? That might be the best segue in Beyond the Shelf history. So uh, you, you know, your, your flagship lemonade has zero sugar zero carbs, zero artificial sweeteners, zero gluten. So I have to ask, what's in it? Uh, how did you research your way to this current? Because it's, it's hard. It's difficult for me to imagine a lemonade with no sugar. We'll probably eventually start touching on how it's hard to, unfortunately, imagine most drinks without sugar. And I'm curious, you know, <laughs> we could go a long, long, down a long path of trying to figure out why that is. It's just I'm picturing... The refrigerator at the local 7-Eleven and it's just sugar 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 and sugar um uh, but you know you've managed to pull it off you did mention monk fruit and it seems to me that whenever i hear a little bit about a zero sugar product monk fruits involved i know nothing about monk fruit though i think i heard it was in from indonesia or something but tell me about the process of of you developing the product some of the you know difficult decisions you needed to make along the way, and I'm not asking you to share your trade secrets here, of course, but 
uh, how are you able to pull it off and still have a delicious drink that is absent? Again, I'll read the list. Zero sugar, zero carbs, zero artificial sweeteners, zero gluten. You have to admit when you first hear that and you hear lemonade, you might be a little bit skeptical, but you've been you've managed to pull it off. Yeah. And, and Todd, it's exactly what you said. I mean, people love sugar. Sweetness really is great. And so, like I said, since I've been a diabetic, since I was six years old, really have like spent a lot of years looking at a lot of other options out there. So, you know, like back in the day, it was aspartame, moving to stevia, always really looking for other things. And I'm the type of person, like if it doesn't taste good, I'm just not going to have it. Right. And so, you know, it was like truly kind of just being not happy with what's out there. And so when we started getting into this, um, you know, it was doing a lot of research or kind of what are the options out there of a natural sweetener that really had that taste of sugar. And that's what led us to monk fruit. And so actually, when we first started this, um, not so soon after Christina was talking about that, that day in our house of almost making um, the mojito, we originally did monk fruit, stevia and erythritol um, with that blend. But erythritol is a sugar alcohol, and that can have some digestive issues and was not something that we wanted to use. So we spent a lot of time kind of reformulating that and really working just with monk fruit to develop something that kind of had that same like sweetness and mouthfeel of sugar. And so that really is like the secret sauce of, if you will, of all of the drinks and that's the sweetness to it. And so again, like you said, like, you know, people love sugar and it's really hard to replace it, but we think we've done a great job in kind of replacing that kind of joy that it gives you when you, when you have a delicious gulp of something great. Have you looked into or aware of any of the research around, you know, sugar and, and why it's so prevalent. I think from a manufacturer's standpoint, it's probably the cheapest way to produce sweetness. If I just had to make a safe guess there, I think, you know, I've heard different theories. One is, you know, you know there's an evolutionary standpoint that uh, our bodies apparently recognize that it needs calories or at least at one point needed calories. And we're talking, you know, tens of thousands of years ago when calories were difficult to come across and that sugar was representative of an instant calorie boost. You hear about sugar addiction in this country. Is there a reason why that taste is craved so much or is it that it has been pushed on us so much that we have become comfortable or used to it and almost demand it even though there isn't an actual biological reason for it? I'm just trying to construct why this market that you are disrupting is so weighted in one direction when it's so clearly unhealthy as well. I mean, Scott, I think it's honestly everything that you just said. And so I think kind of the first and foremost, like sugar does taste good. Um, And so it is something that people just like the taste of. Like, I, I think there's very few people that if you were to give something with sugar that they would say, oh, I don't like that. So that's from like kind of the very just like beginning. And I do think there are definitely sort of chemical reactions of how it relates to your brain and then your brain saying that you want more of it. So it Mm -hmm. kind of starts this cycle. So that's kind of that. And then on the product side, sugar is cheap. And so it's also been around forever. And so, you know, that's just been the first thing to kind of be in all of these drinks. Like there was no diet drinks when like sodas came out in the very beginning or other things like that. So definitely then people got used to having it. And so then they wanted more of it. And then I think everyone's palates just started to crave sweeter and sweeter things because again, products were then made to be sweeter and sweeter to match Mm -hmm. that. 
So I think it really has been a cycle that's kind of been going on for years between everything from the fact that it is, you know, a commodity ingredient that is relatively cheap, that just tastes good and has those kind of craving type effects that make people wanting to have more. And as you said, it, you know, it needs to taste good. It has to start from there. And it's the only way we can move away from, I mean, what do you get? Energy drinks, traditional soda, sports drinks that are really laden with sugar, vitamin water, which is sugar, water, <laughs> and so on. Uh, you know, it, it seems like beverages are the place to start to reduce sugar and provide healthy options. I might offer just as an example, and I do say this as I think being fortunate, if you will, that I, I don't have diabetes, so I don't have to, to monitor as much. But, you know, if you look at like chocolate cake, we're not going to cut chocolate cake out because I want a piece of chocolate cake when it's offered to me every couple of weeks, right? <laughs> but, drink, you know, sport drinks, drinks on the go, it, it, it's, it is true. It feels like to me, if you agree, that it is the logical place to start to make serious inroads in reducing, I don't know, I'm going to guess the trillions of pounds of sugar Americans probably consume uh, because it's almost a daily thing where people are just, you know, grabbing and drinking and, and, and perhaps not even realizing that there's whatever, 40 grams of sugar in there. Would you agree that it seems like the beverage category is the place to start? I mean, yeah, there's sugar-free cookies, but again, if I'm going to have some cookies and I don't have them too often, I'm okay with having the sugar, but it just seems like Again, you picture 7-Eleven when you go in there, and it's just, it's literally a wall of sugar, right? Mm -hmm. it, it seems like it's the place that we should start. Yeah, no, no, I definitely agree with you. And I think the thing with beverages, I think, again, it's just there is so much sugar in every soda. So like, if you think of a 12 ounce can of soda or juice, it has the equivalent of 10 teaspoons of sugar, which is basically the recommended amount that a per, like an adult should have in a day. That's so mind blowing. Which that, is crazy. That, so, so just to be clear, so that is like taking a teaspoon, sticking it in the bag of sugar, and right. doing that ten times. Exactly. And so, if you then think about, like, I know when I'm home, like, or, or wherever I am, I'm just kind of crushing different cans of soda or different cans, you know, of not juice in my case, but other options. And so, I think that's really where it starts to add up. It's just so easy to consume so much. And again, when if you've been able to kind of crack the taste. And having creating a great taste without that sugar, like why wouldn't you replace that? Because, <laughs> and, and so that's for us, like, you know, you can have, you know, three cans of soda very every day, very unlikely that you're having three cookies every day. Um, and so that's really where we think it and agree with you that it does start kind of with the drinks and taking sugar out there. Yeah. So I think now you're seven years i believe in the business um and it started at, as be mixed uh and you shared the story about how mixers is kind of where you start but tell us a little bit about you know maybe both you can help both answer this question from your own perspective how has the business evolved what were some of the catalysts for it and, and you know perhaps you can start with with the name that has evolved as well and and uh that decision process but what do you see as kind of the major flexion points of the business in the evolution of it you could probably guess that the next question after that will be what's next uh for swoon but tell, tell us a little bit about some of the evolution starting with the name totally so when we started about five years ago um scott we just were new to the beverage industry altogether, and so i would say we really 
in a way had zero blind spots because we actually had no knowledge. And so <laughs> we really took the opportunity to talk to anyone we could to learn anything we could um, in a 360 way about the industry. Of course, distribution is so key to our industry as is customer marketing, but of, at core to all of this is really getting the product right. So we really, again, tried to just dive headfirst into to learning and listening as much as possible. And we really took an iterative approach with everything, um, but with the product side of things, you know, doing small runs, really focusing on um, the taste and the quality of the product, and then testing it out in the market, getting real-time feedback, and updating as we went. And so I would say in terms of inflection points, we we took the industry truism of um, going a mile deep in one geography and we our home turf is in New York City. And so we really got to know the New York area, um, its stores, the customers, et cetera, and just went really deep into getting as much customer feedback as we could, learning the distribution routes um, and routes to market in the area, and then from there growing. So I would say the first pieces are getting the product right. The second piece was moving outside of our own geography to say, okay, we kind of got it going in one place, but again, it's our backyard. Can we replicate this elsewhere? Um, and so those have been, I would say, some key inflection points for us in terms of, of growth. And when it comes to the name, we actually started with Be Mixed in part because we were in a business plan competition at business school and had put together the idea and we're ready to present, but didn't have a name. And it really was one of these, all right, well, this will do for now. We'll come back and fix it later. But then again, it kind of just grabbed on and, and we started to to hit the ground running without the opportunity to kind of go back <laughs> and, and change the name. And it wasn't until we went into new product categories where we realized just how limiting the name was and how we wanted something that was more evocative versus descriptive. And so that allowed us to do a whole sort of name exploration and exercise as we took that step back to think, all right, we now know a little bit about the industry. We've been able to prove out concept and develop a line of products in our home market, replicated in a second market. And now we we are really trying to expand the portfolio and continue to dream bigger. And that led us to Swoon, which really for us captures the feeling of you know falling in love and being totally surprised and taken by surprise by this idea that you kind of can have this great bursting celebratory note of flavor, but you don't have to have it, the sugar that usually comes with it. Um, so that that for us captured the, the feeling that we wanted to have um, for people and our customers that when they taste the product, they like it. And then we can tell them, by the way, it's no sugar. And they're going like, wow, kind of starry eyed of this has it all. Love it. Love it. So, Jen, for you, what, what moments stand out to you as kind of the big decision points along the way? Oh man, it's, there's really been so many. And I think Christina really summed it up um, well. And it, it, and it's funny to think because it kind of each decision and inflection point, it feels like, oh my God, this is going to be the make or break or kind of, <laughs> kind of you know, set the course of it. But let, I would let, let me, yeah, let me, let me help you then. What do you wish that you had known 
if you had a time machine, right? You have the time machine, you can go back. What would you tell yourself five, six years ago there when you're in business school? Uh, what, what do you wish that you had known? And obviously, you know, we were speaking to any other entrepreneur out there. What lesson would you offer your younger self? You know, I, I think something that, as, as we've alluded to before, we got to this product by listening to customers. And that's something that we've done from day one. But I think I would say kind of if looking back, if anything, I would say wish we had launched Lemonade maybe earlier. And I think that's something that also comes with kind of more understanding and and just like learning more about this space. I would say the way that we evolve and change is much quicker than it was in the very beginning. Um, but I think really understanding kind of beverages and just seeing how much, you know, that people, you can have a lemonade kind of morning, noon, tonight. And like we started in mixers, that's very much relegated to one part of the day. And so mm. really kind of go back to kind of our mission of taking sugar out of society, being able to do that at many different points of the day, it's going to have the biggest impact. So if anything, it probably was kind of looking back and saying, oh, I, you know, there, and we've had a lot of success with this lemonade. What if we had done this sooner? But, you know, I think hindsight's twenty twenty, and and who knows what it would have been like and what the um, market would have been like way back when. I love you said hindsight's twenty twenty, and then I just wanted to put a little pin in uh, kind of a funny almost idiom earlier where you said, I think where you're going with it is we didn't know our blind spots because we didn't have a vision yet for the industry. And I think that you have probably benefited from not having been in the food and beverage industry. You learned it on the fly and it probably allowed you to be a little bit more creative and innovative and and uh, almost you know absorbent in, in the in information that is out there to be able to learn it along the way. Um, I think it's also really cool and is perhaps no bigger fan of just entrepreneurs than me, but that both of you started this in business school. I love hearing those stories. And uh, I am curious, did you go into business school with the intent to, was it, you know, was it one of those programs that is entrepreneurial? You know, I think it's the Babson one, I think is an example of where like you are expected to come out of business school with a company ready up and running, or were you just both going to business school planning on getting that MBA, put it in your pocket, and this happened. I'm just curious because I love hearing even more about the origin stories. You know, I think we both kind of had it in our in our blood um, because I think we, we did find ourselves um, percolating on things while we were in business school. But no, I don't think either of us went into it saying we want to or, or certainly we're not in a program that you had to come out of it with a business um, or a business plan. So I would say that, you know, kind of to tie back to your question, Scott, earlier about what do you wish you had known then? I, I think at the end of the day, you hear and, and we believe that people are everything and the, and the team is everything. And yet, I think that we've found out in this process that it's even more than what we thought. So I think when I look back, I would say, you know, take a bigger chance earlier on on a hire than you would expect um, to sort of that 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 they will have an even bigger impact than you expect them to have and that taking those big bets if you really connect with somebody kind of jump on it and and bring them on board because i think both in my partnership with jen and certainly um every person that we've brought on the team has made a, a meaningful incremental impact on the team and obviously you know top performers just really carry the day on the business and so 
when I, I look back at Jen and I coming together, I would say that the origin story for me again came from this person just we gravitated towards each other and we just had this foundation of friendship and trust. And from there, we're able to really, you know, jump ahead and short circuit some of the the pain points of partnerships because we had um, alignment on vision and on fundamental values. And similarly, as we've brought people onto the team where that kind of factor just clicks early on, you can really just hand things over and bring in people that have totally different experiences networks, um, relationships and, and styles has really made incremental impact beyond what we could have expected. Well, look, you're working with friends, you have a great successful product in a product that, you know, is at that tip of the spear in, uh, you know, changing what we consume. So I would imagine, uh, Jen, you're you're not heading back to Golden Sachs anytime. You've, no, <laughs> you found your not. you found your per. Uh, let's talk about where you came. Uh, there is tasteswoon.com. Uh, swoon is I'm not sure if there's other ways to spell it, but S W O O N. So that's tasteswoon.com. You can follow at Facebook at Taste Swoon and at Instagram it is at Swoon. Uh, but if I'm a consumer, where can I get it? Well, we're sold kind of all over the country and the lemonade really right now throughout the Northeast and a lot in Texas. But if you go onto our website, you can put in your zip code and it will tell you where you can buy it. And I understand that you can purchase direct to consumer as well at Taste Wound. Is that correct? That's right. And we would love to share a discount code with your listeners, Scott. So at Chef's Best 20, you can get 20% off. There you go. So healthy. Tasty Lemonade shipped directly to your door. Well, thank you very much for both of you. We wish you the best of luck. Sounds like you don't need it, and you're having plenty of fun along the way as well. Uh, but certainly hope, uh, not only because I like clearly nice, fun people to be successful, but any product that can stand a chance to you know, change the skills that we are on as a nation with our uh find a raving fan in me appreciate you both joining us sharing your story and uh, a little bit more about what you've learned along the way and uh you know even just a little bit about the product development i found quite interesting so appreciate your candor on that as well well thank you so much for having us scott we've really loved this time with you so thank you thanks for listening to beyond the shelf presented by chef's best If you enjoyed today's episode, please don't forget to rate us and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your episodes. For more details about all of our episodes from inside the ever-changing food and beverage industry, visit chefsbest.com.